Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I am one of your hosts, Angel, with Phil Pepe. Happy belated birthday, Angel. Oh, yeah, man. Fucking turning 21 sucks. <laughs> Again. Again, yes. For the uh, 46th time? No, 26th time. But now you can drink <laughs> legally. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's all good. So thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a good week. Good weekend. Um, you nice. know, another trip around the sun, and you know, you just hope you don't have a heart attack or get hit by a car. So exactly. That way, you could just enjoy a couple more moments with your family. But yeah. um, all right, mm-hmm. kiddies, welcome to another episode of the Indie Comic Review. This is episode eighty-three, and holy shit, I think we have like twelve books for you guys. <laughs> uh, well, not that many, but it's going to seem that way. It was uh, a big number one week, though. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. I mean, we yeah. tried to get to as much as we could, but you know, we got the stuff that was really interesting to us. And I think uh, Phil actually has a personal connection with one of the books because he knows somebody on it, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I guess just really quickly before we get started into the reviews, just two quick things. One, Comic Con started today, so yep. probably nobody's going to listen to this podcast until Monday. Yeah. Um, and then second. <sighs> It's it's not funny, but it is funny at the same time because the original Spawn movie came out in like <laughs> when was it ninety something? Ninety three, ninety four, yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. And yeah, and yeah, not too far after uh, um, Image started, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a really quick turnaround actually on that. It was so. Yeah. I mean, we got the Spawn animated, which was fantastic. Then we got the Spawn movie, and for what it was at the time. It was really good. I mean, if you go back and watch it now, the story still holds up. I like it. It's just the CGI is just holy crap. You gotta just you gotta sink your teeth down and just fight through it. I mean, it's not yeah. as bad as Highlander, <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's nice, nice, well done. That's a well deep cut, right? All right, for for um, those of you guys that don't know, there's a whole Highlander <laughs> thing going on. I will never admit it to AJ, but. The movie's not bad. It's just, it's just and you know he'll never he doesn't listen. He'll never hear this. So that's, I know he'll never hear secret this. Secret safe with me. Yes. I will. I will go with the joke. Uh, so no, it's it's look. It's a it's a it's a mid eighties schlocky actioner that has a really neat concept. And there's a lot of love for the movie. I mean, there was a goddamn TV series and too many sequels. You know, when I when I think of Highlander, I I really adhere to there there can be only one. So I really just. Have a lot of love for the original movie i just enjoy the movie yeah it's got its flaws it's got some ridiculous stuff going on but boy is it better than any of its sequels um but it's like when you can pick out more flaws than good things and it's still a cult hit yeah that that, that is a definition of a cult hit it has that's kind of the fun of it right the the, the ridiculousness of it but you still buy in you know because you know there's there's some really good moments in there too uh so yeah the highlighter thing has been a running gag for a couple years now which is i love it it's great uh that way it's just a a punchline now for for our our interactions uh but um but yeah, we got yeah. off on a tangent. So no. Yeah, so, so so that Spawn movie, you know, and again, I think it was a, a little later than 94. It was like 95 or 96. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, it was closer to late 90s. It was a post-Schumacher Batman Forever. Correct. Uh, when CGI was really at play. And yeah, the, the movie does suffer from really poor early CGI. I, I always remember sitting in a the theater and watching that climax when he's in hell fighting oh all God. the Violator demons. And what I felt like as I was watching somebody else play a video game, Correct. they wouldn't let me play. 
Correct. <laughs> Correct. And I, I remember seeing like the, the midnight show on my brother. And we were just like, what the fuck? And even then, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was like watching. I, what was that? Late 90s? So that would have been, was PS? That would have been PS1 or 2, somewhere around there. It, it was just yeah. like watching. But needless to say, so we're, you know, I think in 2017, <laughs> Todd McFarlane made another announcement saying that they were rebooting the Spawn movie. He was going to be writing, directing it, and then he attached uh, Jamie Foxx to it. So we're in 2022. So there was just an announcement the other, or yesterday, I should say, where now there's new writers that have been brought on board. And I think, you know what? I think it's one of these things where it was like uh, Sylvester Stallone syndrome, where it was his baby. This was his project. Yeah. He wanted to yeah. have his hands and everything. And you know what? As a creator, you, you want to do that. But, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to step back and let other people come in and who have been doing this for quite some time to make something that's going to be of quality, that's going to drive people to the theaters, is not a bad thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to step down and say, okay, you know what? Now he's got the, the writer of Joker and the writer of the upcoming Captain America um, movie on the next script. So and I, as far as we know, he said Jamie Foxx is still attached, which is cool. So I mean, I like to mm-hmm. see Jamie Foxx spawn. Um, yeah. That's a powerhouse name in there. Maybe stay a little bit more true to, to the material. So mm-hmm. we'll see. So yeah, it's, uh, it's 2022. I, we'll see what happens. 2026. We'll get the announcement that it's in production, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get a movie. Or Todd's in back directing it. Or you know, God bless Todd McFarlane. Like like he. You know, again, one of the earlier ones out the gate, you know, in in what has become a comic boom. He, you know, just just beat out Blade like a couple years before Blade. Blade really started, I think, the comic book movie renaissance uh, that that we're kind of seeing through now. Which is funny because most people don't even consider those movies as part of the MCU. No, no, exactly. But as far as like a movie that really hit and people responded to, yes, uh, Blade really sort of kicked that off because Blade led to 1999, 2000s X Men, and yep. then X Men led to Spider Man, and you know here we are today. And poor Todd, two years or so before that, like he really tried and he put a lot of effort, I think, into this Spawn movie, and it didn't quite catch on like blade did right and right. and and you know every few years todd is, is, is sees these movies go and he keeps i always say keeps threatening to, to come back and make a new spawn <laughs> movie every few years he's like we're doing it we're doing it. i mean there was at one point he was all he's like it's not going to be a superhero movie it's going to be a horror movie right i mean he's really really been pushing this this rock up the hill you know and uh i really wish that this does happen for him because the guy is such a success and with his comics and spawn comics still running and that has become a household name and a franchise his toys have been you know knocking it out of the park uh over overwhelmingly i think rather than than their misses uh so you know so yeah i just i really want this to happen not for me and not for any spawn fans just for todd i want this to happen for todd mcfarland no fuck that i want this to happen for me I mean, I, I, I don't know how many times I said this on the podcast, but that was the first book I ever bought with my own money. So yeah. all I have is love for Todd uh, and, and respect, too, because, you know what? I mean, this guy just, you know, hopped on with these six other guys to create this company mm-hmm. um, to say a few to the big two that weren't allowed him to do their creative process. And, uh, you know, he's he's made money. He's lost money. And now he's, he's come back even stronger with, 
you know, the whole toy business and he has all of like the DC line. I mean, his figures are freaking top quality shit. So, oh, yeah. 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 He's, he's, you almost going to be all right. Collect, you almost exclusively collect McFarlane. Correct. Figures. Yeah. Correct. So I just, you know, I want to cut the shit away and just fucking do it. Um, I just, I, I hope, it, I hope when it comes out, it's awesome and people really like it because I don't want another like twenty years of Todd being like, okay, we're gonna do it again. <laughs> this time, we're gonna do it right? Uh, you know, Sally, I, I don't know if he has another twenty years, <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, all right, cool. So yes, all right. So welcome to episode eighty-three. Uh, the comics that we have for you today are for the week of October fifth. In the year of our Lord, 2022. Since we have five of them, I got three, you got two. We're yeah. going to keep it short. We're going to keep it to the synopsis and sort of uh, sort of our feedback on it, uh, what we appreciate, and then get you guys out of here. Uh, but I'm going to start off really quickly with uh, Kaya. This is okay. um, by Image Comics. The story, the art, and the design is by Wes Craig, which is one of my favorite you know, artists, writers. Uh, the last thing, obviously, that I read from him was uh, Delhi Class. Still going mm -hmm. on. I think it's almost ending. Um, and I'm sad because the show is actually really good and, you know, they mm. canceled it after one season, but it is what it is. Uh, but he's got something new. We got colors by Jason Wordy um, and letters by Ann World Design. Um, yeah, really, it's a really simple story. I mean, I just like Wes Craig's art because it's different and it stands out. Um, I just, I don't know how to classify it because it's just, it's, it's just good. It would be like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. Okay. Uh, when you just see the art, you just know it's him or, mm -hmm. or Stoko or, um, you know, these guys that are really different. And Wes Craig is similar to like even Eastman, you know, whenever he draws turtles, I mm -hmm. love it. And you could just tell that it's him. Yeah. Um, so he does. He just has this really great like line, like loose line work and stuff like that. Um, I just really dig it. But the story is really simple. You've got these two kids. They were, you know, part of this kingdom, prince, princess. Um, the king gets overthrown. We don't know how or why yet. Um, and basically, the the sister's older, so she's trying to transport um, her brother to the safe haven. And it's pretty much just their adventures of going from this overthrown kingdom to getting him to safety. Um, and this first issue is kind of hefty because it has like 30-something pages of content. Um, and just beautifully drawn. The colors in here are great. They're vibrant. The storytelling is, you know, what I really like about Wes Craig. In Delhi class, he didn't do it so much. Like whenever he had a lot of text to do, he would mm -hmm. push the panels over and then you would have all the text on the side. So there would be like narrative uh, text. Um, and when he doesn't do that and he's doing dialogue, dialogue is really like at the minimum, let's do art speak. Uh, and I guess that's that's liberty that you can take because when you're doing both, you kind of just know where to mesh visuals and words together. And this book is is no different from what he's done in the past. And it's just it's a really light and fast read um, off of this one. So I, I liked it. It's really good. I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to continue with it. I don't know what his plans are, if it's a mini or if it's going to be one of these things where he drags it on like Delhi Class. Um, but really funky because, you know, she has a magic arm. That almost looks like Thor's arm, um, and she could just like throw like electricity bolts and stuff like out of it. It's it's just it's it's pretty cool. The and it's funny because it's like a brother and sister, older sister, younger brother, and the brother's the prince, so he would be the next in line to become king, right? So mm -hmm. what would you expect his attitude to be? Every single young prince that we've ever seen from the dawn of time has always been an asshole. <laughs> this kid is no different. So, so he's just a pain in the ass and so they're going halfway through on their journey and he's starving they find his town it's empty 
Um, and then they run into these, what they call lizard riders, which is funny because the lizards are riding other lizards, which is really weird. Um, and they almost remind me of like those, uh, what were the ones from the land of time called? Oh gosh. Uh, that, that's uh, vague memories of that movie. Yeah. Well, no, no, <laughs> but the TV show land of the lost. Oh wait. Oh, land of the lost. Oh, the sleaze stacks. Yeah. The sleaze stacks. That's they, right. They almost remind me of, about land of before the sleaze stacks. Yeah. The sleaze stacks. Yep. Yes. Those, uh, the lizard guys. Yes. So the lizard guys are about to eat these guys. And all of a sudden one of these lizard guys knows the girl and, you know, it stops them from eating them. And, and then they, it pretty much halts there and gets ready to move on to the next part of the story. Uh, so now they have their own little uh, lizard that they can they can ride and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it's you're setting up a new world. You're setting up, you know, content. You have stuff that has happened that we don't know why or like kind of like when it happened. And then mm -hmm. the action just pursues from there. And it's really more about the relationship between this girl and her brother. I like to know where she got her arm. So hopefully there'll be some origin on on that arm and stuff like that but yeah is is it's a magic arm so it's like and he says like thor so it's like a really big muscular arm where it, like that is disproportionate to her body like no no like no there's old not. ladies at the slot machines at the casino <laughs> yeah just like that big and well no like the guy from uh what was that uh late uh lady in the water remember that guy oh, with right. the one big arm? oh you never saw it so in, in, in this movie there's one guy because i guess there's guardians and he was one of the guardians so in the movie, he only worked out the one arm. So right. whenever you saw him, he had a dumbbell in one arm. The other arm was so skinny, but the other arm was huge. So <laughs> yes, no, it's not like that. It's proportional, <laughs> uh, which is cool. So she's older. She's got to be about like 16 or something. And he's probably okay. like around 12. Um, but she's like the hunter, the guardian kind of like character. And he's just the pain in the ass prince. Um, I liked it. Kaya by Wes Craig from Image Comics. If you like adventure stories and, you know, like siblings, um, you know, fighting and, and going on adventures, this is pretty much up your alley. So I would check it out. Awesome. Awesome. All right, cool. You're up. What do you got? All right. So uh, first one I'm going to do is uh, this month's number one from IDW original. Uh, so again, we've, I've really liked this initiative. I know you checked out uh, dark spaces, wildfire. Mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed that first issue, uh, first couple issues. I uh, got a couple to uh, one to catch up on, I think. And then um, my, I, their other one, the next one was a true cult, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Those first two issues were really solid. Um, and then crashing was last month's number one this month. They give us earth divers kill Columbus and this one was written by Stephen Graham Jones, illustrated by David Gianfelice, colored by Joanna Lafuente, lettered by Steve Wands, uh, edited by Maggie Howell, with an assist by Jake Williams, design and production, Nathan Wittick. Uh, so, yeah, I, like I said, I love these IW originals. It's a great you know, way to look at a company who's lost their licenses and IPs and, and what they can do to kind of keep relevant and come out there with new content and each one has been really really good this one is the most i would say sci-fi fantasy mm. end of it uh because you know one of the things i loved about true cult it's that rare indie book that's not about a post-apocalyptic future or what happens after you die right and so right here on page one of earth divers kill columbus uh 
2112, the Mayans were only off by a century. So yeah, the earth <laughs> is uh, is decimated, right? Uh, the waters, the bad waters rise, good waters go away. Uh, those who can leave. And we're left with basically, it's a very interesting concept where the only people who remain on, on earth were, are from the Native American or indigenous tribes. So you have uh, basically a you know your scrappy team of, of, of four youngsters who have fig- think they figured out a way to save the Earth's present by destroying America before it has even begun. So each one is a representative from a different tribe. So you you know, uh, which is actually I think really cool. Uh, they don't necessarily all four get along. Two of them are married, though. And, of course, mm. it's the husband who has to go into this, um, you know, this this MacGuffin, this this deus ex machina, what, what have you. Um, it, it, there's a hole in the ground in the desert that will bring you to the past. And you have to go in naked. You only have can bring something that's going to basically indicate when and where you want to go and so their objective is they are going to go back to 1492 uh the husband uh of of of, of that duo and this this foursome uh he is going to infiltrate one of columbus's three ships for the objective of killing christopher columbus before he you know lands where he lands and yeah right and not really america but Mm -hmm. you know that whole that whole shebang so basically because they are from indigenous tribes or descendants of indigenous tribes they feel that all the problems began 600 years prior to this Mm. the the setting of this story so that is the setup uh this issue is mostly exposition but you do get to see you know the the main character you know get on one of Columbus's ships, uh, how he doesn't really fit in, uh, how he's also uncomfortable with the violent acts that he has to make in order to achieve this objective. Uh, So it's a really good character study for him. And uh, there's a really interesting almost heel turn towards the end uh, that I found very fascinating. Uh, The characters that are left behind, of course, they're bickering. They don't know, you know, if he has changed the past or not, maybe they're still in the sphere of influence where they won't know if it's reflected. So, you know, they have to now go, go to like a, 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 find an old history book to see, you know, that's outside of what they feel is the sphere of influence of this, of this tunnel to see if history has been changed because they how, have no indication at this. Point. How do they find this tunnel? Uh, that, so one of them who is, uh, they all have code names. Right. His code name is yellow kidney. And okay. they keep calling him Yellow Kid, which is actually super deep cut comic book reference, I'm guessing, from this writer. Mm. Because the Yellow Kid was a, a one of the first uh, serialized sort of uh, recurring uh, newspaper comic strip characters. Mm. And I think even the fir- what, is, what became the first comic book, which were back then just collections of newspaper strips. Right. In book form, you know, in pamphlet book form, I believe he also headlined the Yellow Kid. Also headlined uh, the uh, that that very first proto comic. So that it, it, I found it funny that his his code name is Yellow Kidney, but they keep calling him Yellow Kid. So apparently he discovered this uh, with two other people who apparently went in and never came back. Again, I do. I, I stress MacGuffin Deus Ex Machina because in this first issue, while there is a lot of exposition and setup for where this is going, the vaguest parts are 
exactly what the nature of this tunnel is and and um you know really how it was discovered and how he actually knows that these people went in the past and that is a question that is brought up to him and he's basically i'm a scientist like i figured it out you know <laughs> so so i that feel that there's there's a lot more to be revealed there uh there's been a comparison i think uh some folks have said oh this reminds me a lot of tankers from bad idea mm. where they go way back to prehistoric time to mine oil i believe uh i didn't get to read that i know people really liked it thought it was really good uh this doesn't go as far back so that juxtaposition of this you know you know what where, where they are in their present but going back to 1492 uh, is done really well there are literally a lot of time jumps in this book uh but it is easy to follow uh the art is gorgeous um a very european style especially also with the way the color colors are done and the shading on the colors really reminds me of some of the european graphic novels um but also with sort of more modern, you know, I almost want to say like uh, Scotty Young when he doesn't do like his trademark kid thing or um, I, the, the, uh, the the illustrator who did Scotty Young's uh, Me You Love in the Dark, right? It sort of has that sort of kinetic energy of a, uh, you know, of a of a sort of a, of a flow of like an anime, anime type, but very solid grounded like i said and also like a, a european style so mm. i really liked it i really liked the look of the book i like the setup i like what they're trying to do here so i definitely think it's another winner from idw originals again very different from the previous three in their output uh but so far i think you know they're doing really good with this and i thought this was a really cool first issue and i really want to see how the rest of this story does play out because it is very fascinating and i i liked some of the choices that were made especially the idea that it is indigenous people that are left they stay behind on earth and that this is their goal to fix you know really what they felt went wrong in history and i i kind of like that i don't think it's too heavy-handed um and, and I, I like where it's coming from so yeah cool. uh earth divers kill columbus idw original check it out all right check it out guys all right moving on next one uh all of my books are from image comics so the next book oh. is from image comics called three keys um this one is created written and drawn by david Messina. Uh, you have some dialogue assist by Scott Tipton. Uh, you have prologue art by Rita uh, Precicoli. Um, and colors by David uh, Messina and Alex uh, Alessandra uh, Alizakis. And then letters by Sean Lee. Um, all right, cool. So I, I dig this book, even though I was like reading it and I was like, oh my God, I've read the story. I thousand times um and when you read something for a thousand times you're looking for that one or two unique things that makes it stand out um because everybody can tell a story differently even though it's been told a thousand times what i like about this book is actually the way that it's set up i don't think every book needs to be done this way but there is a prologue to the book that kind of gives you the back matter of everything that's happened up to when the story takes place which i think it's cool because it's sort of like a, a catch-up um, that way, when you start reading into it, you can have stuff to refer from. Um, from And it's not long. It's only like one or two, three pages of uh, the prologue. And then you're right into the story. So basically what you have is sort of like um, multi-dimension, multiverses. And one of them is called the Dreamland uh, universe, whatever it is. And that kind of keeps out what they call the Yauda gods, who just want to like destroy everything. 
Um, and then you have uh, another set of gods called the old gods. Um, they've all been exiled outside of this dreamland, which is sort of like a connection to our world, our dreams. So, yeah, there you go. We have uh, Morpheus and Sandman <laughs> kicking in um, in, in, into the stuff. But basically what's happened is that you have these people that are on dreamland that help to keep all these outer gods exiled outside. Well, for some reason, these other guys have been able to penetrate and they've ravaged Dreamland. So certain refugees from Dreamland have come into our reality to find the three keys. So basically, you have three components of a key. Uh, one looks it's like a broadsword. It's a huge thing. And then two other components that we haven't been specific about. But it references those three things plus the three women who are... I believe, descendants of somebody who owned the original key. So they're supposed to be the saviors. So these three refugees, they're anthropomorphic uh, cats, I should say, because they're different um, species of different cats. Uh, find, mm -hmm. I have to find these women to get the peace and then teach them how to save the world um, in that respect. So that's, that's the gist of it. So this pretty much was all of that set up. So what was cool in here is that, you know, if you're from New York um, and you talk about like the village and that type of area, what famous comic book store was there? Can you remember? St. Mark's Comics. St. Mark's Comics. So guess what's yeah. in this book? Is it's it St. Mark's Comics? Yeah, it's not St. Mark's. It's Mark's okay. Comics, but you know, it's St. Mark's Comics and it's nice. in the village area. Um, and what's great, what's funny is that, <laughs> so this, these, one of the women that, um, who is, is a key, she works in this comic book shop. I mean, she's hot. And the other one that works with her is also hot. So the guy that, that works at the comic shop, he works in the back room because it, they want just the hot women up front to bring people <laughs> into the store. So they're having this whole conversation, which is hilarious. And then, then, then they ensue into other conversations that just made me laugh. And, and it's, it's cool because it's like sort of like inside jokes for anybody who either hangs out at comic shops all works at comic shops. So I appreciate it sort of like that banter back and forth from the owner and the girls. It was just kind of funny. Um, so you're basically following this one girl. Uh, what is her name? I can't remember her name right now for the life of me. Um, and the protagonist always seems to be this person who is really good at everything, but even better at wasting their talent. Um, mm. And it's just one of those things where, like, I've seen that a thousand times, and it's okay. I mean, you, you just let it be because you you need some kind of like uh, some resistance. You need some kind of you know hurdles and obstacles to get over. So um, that that's going to be the thing. But yeah, so basically, she already has her her anthropomorphic tiger, but you have sort of like the joining of this other woman with her tiger who's looking for the other keys and basically they find him and they're supposed to train him and stuff like that so um what it basically boils down to is that they're supposed to be meeting at a particular area to train this one particular night this is the main character mm -hmm. she ends up not doing that going to a party the mm -hmm. training was supposed to be with the other character that she was supposed to meet that's coming with the other tiger so when they get to this place called the high line in brooklyn Mm -hmm. um they basically run into an old god and fucking he comes alive and it's funny because when you look at it it looks like a huge baby with no eyes i mean huge it's mm -hmm. got to be at least like 20 something feet tall but then as soon as he opens his, his like 
eye or whatever, he changes into this freaking ridiculous demon. The art in here is great. The the layouts, the the color, um, the storytelling is it's fantastic. Um, you know, and even though it's a story that I've probably read in some form of another, I didn't mind it because there was so much good stuff in here. Mm. So yeah, if you like sort of like that, you know, gods and dimensions and crossing over and you know, teacher mentors and saving the world kind of stuff. Because it's not your typical, you know, superhero stuff. This is if the world's gonna be fucked if we don't get these keys together and the old gods come and destroy everything. Um, hmm. But cool. pretty cool. I mean, I liked it. So if hmm. you like that stuff, the art is just really. I mean, I think he's been credited on Star Wars, so okay. that he's done a lot of stuff for them. But um, yeah, if, if you like really good art. And, uh, really good storytelling and, and sort of falls into that genre. I would check it out. Three Keys from Image Comics. Good cool. stuff, Casino. I like the uh, the New York aspect of that too. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the St. Mark's comics and the Highlight Ballroom. That's pretty cool. And um, that's actually a cool like bit of a segue into uh, the next book uh, because I did work at St. Mark's Comics for about a year uh, back in the did you really? uh, mid yeah mid 2000s for about huh. a year so so you know I can I can speak to certain things that people have said about old St. Mark's Comics <laughs> um, now that location is no longer with us um, it did reopen a, about a year or so ago uh, in Brooklyn in Ind Industry City and they're doing really well there now um, so more power to Mitch, Nick and the rest of the crew uh, but one of the people that I had the pleasure of working with while I was there uh, is a very, very talented artist and a really, really great guy uh, by the name of Jeff Zorno. Mm. And uh, so first and foremost, I'm going to plug his website because uh, his art is really cool. It does deserve to be taken a look at. Uh, it's uh, Zorno, Z-O-R-W-N-O-W, uh, must die. So Zorno must die. I think, uh, .com. I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, he's, um, Jeff does a lot of covers. He does a lot of, uh, prints. Uh, he has this great print that someday I do, do want to nut up and buy, uh, that he did of a mashup of, uh, Batman 1966 and Godzilla. So it's like Batman and Robin leaping into action in front of giant Godzilla. And it's a beautiful piece. Oh my gosh. And um, he's a great artist. He, he really does put a lot into his work. And to see him actually do sequential work is, uh, you know, inside the pages of a comic is really good. Uh, he's also done, actually, speaking of McFarlane Toys earlier, he's done some design work for them, too. I believe he worked uh, on designs for a Cygor figure that hmm. uh, recently came out in the last year or so. Uh, so, yeah, so sweet. the book is called Sweetie, Candy Vigilante. It is written and created by Suzanne Cafiero, uh, illustrated by the aforementioned Jeff Zorno. Colored by Antonio Fabella, letter by Josh Howard, with assists by DC Hopkins, uh, and edited by John Caffaro. So this is a book that is not necessarily something that I gravitate, I would gravitate towards. Uh, this is, you know, this harkens back to the, the 90s and the good girl, the warrior, warrior girl, you know, the 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 girl vigilante, you know, very buxom, usually blonde, like um, uh, barbed wire. Right. Maybe, mm, maybe mm. think of that a little bit. Barbarella. Um, 
but Barbarella, that's a little classier, right? That's like a French comic, I think, from yes. like the 70s or 80s or 60s or 70s, and then made into that famous movie with Jane Fonda. Definitely started a trend like that. But, you know, when you look at like the early 90s and, and again, uh, one of the results of the image boom, you know, you had a lot of warrior women. And it was uh, now, you know, we see, you know, that uh, Dynamite, I guess I should mention the publisher, right? Dynamite Comics who did uh, put out Sweetie Candy Vigilante. They also are the current rights holders for Red Sonia and Vampirella, right? Mm -hmm. So this really falls in line with that milieu. Uh, the best way I could describe this character, though, this is like Harley Quinn on acid. And like, <laughs> not just like one tab of acid, but like all the acid, right? So this, so this book does play very much to the artist's strengths, to Jeff's strengths, where it is a lot of seedy New York side streets and alleys, uh, it, dive bars, unsavory characters, and a buck, buxom women, right? Mm -hmm. And it there's like really no dialogue for about the first five or six pages of this book. So Jeff's art really does do the heavy lifting uh, at the beginning, uh, you know, when there is no dialogue to really pull the reader in, guide their eye and make it clear what is going on. Uh, when, when sweetie, who is a candy vigilante enters this dive bar uh, because she sees a, the sign that says ice cream bunny. And she thinks the ice cream bunny is actually in the dive bar. Mm. And um, one of Jeff's, really great strength too is horror and gore and so you know he's done a lot of he did covers for some of the halloween comics when they were still halloween comics he's even done uh cd cases for like european releases of halloween uh cds and dvds and stuff like that uh i guess i already said that blu-ray boxes right mm -hmm. so anyway um so this really does give uh, Jeff a chance to shine uh, when it comes to the visceral gore and violent horror that are inflicted on patrons in this dive bar who try to take advantage of Sweetie. And you really see why she is a candy vigilante. She kills people with candy. And, <laughs> and, and the way that the corrosive nature of, of sugar is portrayed uh, in this, I always, it made me think of that, that, I, that myth. I don't know if it's a myth or if it's proof, but the idea that if you take a tooth, a human tooth, and you put it in a glass of Coca-Cola that the tooth will dissolve, mm. by, you know, overnight, right? That there's that that corrosive of, a, of amount of sugar in there. Well, then you kind of get to see that that in play uh, when this sort of corrosive sugar uh, comes in contact with human flesh. Mm. And it is great. <laughs> it is it is horrifying. <laughs> it, is, it is it is gross. Uh, it's everything you really, I think, want from something called Sweetie Candy Vigilante. Mm -hmm. And the havoc that she wreaks on this bar is 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 excellent because everybody who who gets what they deserve you know kind of deserves it except for maybe the guy who tries to take her picture uh after the initial round of carnage because she is not really that discerning on what is a wrong 
being done to her. Mm. Um, so it's really cool. It, it reads as a standalone. Uh, it does, you know, have a, a pretty solid ending, uh, but there is room to grow and also room to explore who this character is. And so that is the promise for the next issue box. Uh, so, yeah, I just I really I enjoyed this. Again, not a book I would gravitate towards on my own. Uh, so the two things, the two reasons why were obviously, you know, Jeff and obviously because of this, this, uh, this podcast. So I'm really glad I did because this was a really fun, weird, kind of gross ride. Uh, and, <laughs> okay. it, and it, and it was, it, and it, and again, reads as a really good standalone, but it, it left me wanting more and I really want to see what this girl's deal is and uh, kind of what happens to the people who she brands with her ring pop uh, because apparently that is a call sign and either it will, you know, enable them to help her down the road or enable others looking for her to come after them as well. So, so again, it looks, uh, it, it's a really interesting uh, ambitious start there's also a really cool promotion with a band uh doing a cover of the old archie's 60s pop hit sugar sugar and the band is uh osaka pop star uh they're name dropped in the the, the story itself but there's also a two-page ad where there's a lot of cool like candy vinyls that look like the all-day sucker lollipop that sweetie is constantly you know holding uh mm. with like a bite take it looks like there's a bite taken out of the vinyl the way they did the color on the vinyl it's really cool so if you like vinyl you like t-shirts um and you really like this character introduced in this book um you know there's a whole two-page spread there for the and where you can get this stuff uh and there's even a website sweetiecandyvigilante.com uh but yes yeah, sweetie candy sweetie candy vigilante from dynamite comics uh, really good first issue. Again, you gotta like the gross, you gotta like the horror, you gotta like the weirdness of it. Um, yeah, highly recommend it. If not only for Jeff's Jeff's artwork, because his artwork is stellar in this and it really plays to his strengths, but also uh, the the character created uh, by by the writer again, uh, Suzanne Cafaro. Uh, it, it it's neat. It it is like it's an overcrowded milieu, but this stood out cool cool yeah. awesome check it out guys um all right one more to go um so when i picked up this book i was like oh and i, look, I looked at the first page because I, before i bought it i was like this is gonna be a period piece and i'm gonna hate it so much <laughs> but it is jeff johns and gary frank so i said you know what i, I gotta check it out because i love gary frank's art so mm -hmm. this one is also by image ghost from their imprint mad ghost um called junkyard joe so this is uh, created by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank with uh, Gary Frank on the art. You have Brad Anderson as a colorist and Rob Lee at, uh, on letters. Um, so, you know, looking at the book, it's just beautiful because Gary Frank is just fucking Gary Frank, man. He's just, he's awesome at what he does. Oh, yeah. I mean, the facial expressions and everything, uh, it's just... Uh, and if he's doing his own ink, and he's just, it's just so awesome. I mean, the mood he, that he, he sets tone, yeah. He makes even bad stories worth reading. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just so good. I mean, even if he didn't have any word bubbles, and this is a really good sign of a great artist. You, you could actually tell what's going on in the story mm -hmm. if you just didn't read the book at all. Um, but basically, it starts in, in Vietnam because it's 1972. Um, this was like 50 years before I was born. 
Um, and uh, you basically have this unit that's, you know, uh, one guy in the unit that's pretty much narrating the story. Uh, and basically what you have, and, and I don't know if this is going to be an anthology or if it's going to be a series of stories from different eras. But basically mm. what you have as an overall synopsis is all these events that have happened in history with, you know, great evil. Um, there's always been these unnamed sort of like heroes or yep. whatever you want to call them that have been behind the scenes that have made those events come to an end. Um, and basically what you have here is this unit in Vietnam has assigned a new soldier to come in <clears throat> who doesn't speak at all. So all of a sudden I got snake eyes vibes and stuff like that. <laughs> and what you discover as they're going through in their first ambush um, is that this junkyard Joe, because these guys are called the junkyard dogs mm -hmm. and he ends up becoming junkyard Joe because of what happens in the book. I'll let you read it. Um, but that ends up becoming his name. Um, but you find out that he's actually a freaking robot that's been sent mm -hmm. in by the government. Um, and basically, the government uses this robot to determine sort of like where the direction of the war is going, which is crazy. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting concept when you think about it overall. But whatever that robot sends back to the U.S. basically decides how the U.S. moves forward and anything that they're doing. So without giving it away, you find out what happens at the very end of the story. And then that's going to shift us to uh, more modern times. So you're mm -hmm. going to go from like this 1972 era Vietnam War, which is this whole entire book. It's basically these guys going through. They discover who this guy is. They start freaking out like, holy shit. And then they realize that um, the robot actually saved them. So they continue on their uh, mission and then you see what ensues from there i'm trying to be very cryptic because i don't want to give too much <laughs> away like i've done with other stories because i really think this is probably one of the best picks of the week and i think everyone should definitely pick up this book whether you like war stories or not it's just really great storytelling and you know, having that little concept of you know this is 1972 so to have a freaking full-on robotic freaking ex mechanica freaking robot running around uh, killing the saving people was it was just really good, uh, and you can't go wrong. I mean, the the whole freaking book is a masterclass of how a comic should be done by one of the greats, Gary Frank, um, yeah. and Jeff Johns. Just, he put a story really well together. The dialogue is great, and and so if we're looking at the books that we read this week, so I had you know three keys, had three pages of a prologue that kind of just got you up to speed on mm -hmm. you know what's going on with the story, and then bam, brings you to the present time. Where in this one, there isn't any prologue at all and throws you right into the story. And because it's more on that historical note, and if you know anything about the Vietnam War or anything like that, then you kind of you already have some context to draw from. So their little adventure would be a mission that would be part of a larger, you know, thing that was happening in the world at that time. And then at the very end, you have the setup for what's gonna happen next. I will tell you this: there were, I think, about seven people in the unit. Um, that when we first started, and Junkyard Joe, when he came in, was was replacing someone who was already being taken out because they couldn't save his legs, so he was amputated. Mm. So mm. at the very end of this one, and it's the only spoiler I will give, only mm. one person survived. So that's that's where you're getting the narration from. But then it's going to take you on to what's going to happen next. 
um, which I which is pretty cool. I'm really excited. I know there's going to be another mini. It's probably going to be a six issue mini. Um, and if you read Geiger and you enjoy that, I mean that was another team up of you know Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to check that one out as well. So if you did read that, you were disappointed. You will not be disappointed with this book. And then what's really cool is that uh, they gave some uh, veterans dedications at the very back yep. of the book, which was really awesome. So yeah, I mean this is this is a really good salute to you know soldiers who have you know put their lives down on their lives for you know what it is that we do, and sort of like the, the storytelling is sort of like an homage to you know the heroes that they are. So I, I liked it. I mean, it, it's really, really, really cool. Um, like I said, Gary Frank Art, uh, Jeff Johns, who, you know, hardly ever disappoints with, you know, the stuff that he writes. Um, yeah. Check it out. Junkyard Joe by Image Comics. This is definitely my nice. pick of the week. The three books that I got this week, I actually really all enjoyed. The nice. Three Keys is a five-issue mini, so I'm going to continue with that, and hopefully it pays off. Yeah. If it doesn't, then I've only wasted uh, <laughs> what is it for? Twelve twenty bucks and maybe thirty minutes of my time. And yeah. then you know, Wes Craig is you know he could be a hit or miss for some, but I, I'm really digging what he's doing right now. So I'm nice. gonna stick to it with these books. And then I did mention last week that I was gonna read Vanish because I was out the week before. Holy crap! That was so. Here we go again. This is a retelling. This is like <laughs> Harry Potter meets freaking uh, I, I i don't even know maybe freaking uh not justice league who what's the uh the squadron supreme okay the the marvel's the, yeah the marvel of the Avengers. Yes, yes, yeah. yes yes so um sort of like that messes together no 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 sorry sorry it's harry potter meets thunderbolts so basically oh, okay, yeah you. so basically you have uh these magic guys that are uh you know are, it's always the and it, it, when I when I got to this part, I rolled my eyes so badly. But all right, I'm going off on a tangent. Here you go. <laughs> Let me step back. So Vanish, I think written by Donny Cates and drawn yep. by Ryan Stegman. This was their yep. uh, Substack book that they brought to Dark Horse, I believe, uh, that is publishing it under their KLC Press, you know, uh, imprint. Uh, and art is beautiful because Ryan Stegman is Ryan Stegman. It's, it's just great, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see. You know, creators who have been doing mainstream stuff do their own thing. And you like to see if they're going to do anything different from what they've already done. And this one kind of meshes those two things together. Um, you know, where I rolled my eyes was the whole mentor, mentee. Oh, I should have, you know, done better teaching you so that you didn't become evil. Oh, you didn't <laughs> teach me anything. I was always evil. So that that <laughs> when you have that clash, there's not much that you can do, right? So that yeah. clash is always going to happen. So basically... Um, you have, yeah, wanted that to happen. He kills his mentor. And then the chosen one, the Harry Potter, um, does things that he's not supposed to do and ends up, which is great. This is, this is what's really great. So this guy is really powerful with magic, right? And in this realm, there's no magic that can touch him. The guy's name is Vanish. This is the evil freaking magician, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's certain rules that they're supposed to abide by, I guess, Hogsworth rules. So you're not supposed <laughs> to go back to, you know, the, the the realm of, you know, moguls or whatever you want to call them. And then you're not supposed to go without permission. One, he did that. Two, you're not supposed to come back with anything from the real world. He comes back, guess with what? What? A fucking gun. Ah! No magic at all and shoots the fucking bad guy in the head. <laughs> That shit was great. So his his posse ends up fleeing. 
And while all the other kids are cheering and shit like that, and the chosen ones are like, no, we got to go get these bastards. So that happens in the very beginning. That kind of sets up what's happening. You have 20 years later, he's this drunk, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, now we find out that those one, those magicians that ran away are actually back and they're posing as good guys in the realm of humans. So, yeah, because he, he finds one of them at the very end of the book, beats the shit out of him, finds out what they're doing. So it, it, it was really good. So for those of you guys that did not pick up the book, it did come out last week. I think it was the week before. Vanished by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. You want to definitely check that out. I definitely nice. recommend that book. I, I'm pretty sure it'll be a mini, but um, cool stuff. Yeah, um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's all that we have for you this week, right? Yeah. That was that was long-winded. If if, <laughs> if if you need to listen to this one in chunks, do it. Yeah. But I think all the books that we read this week, actually, we highly recommend them. I mean, it's hardly Absolutely. yeah, it's hardly where we where we actually enjoy every single book. I mean, we try to find something that's different and unique that somebody might enjoy, but all of these books, um, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy the stuff that I read. I know that you enjoy the stuff that you read and we highly recommend this week's books. Uh, mm -hmm. So make sure that you go and visit your local comic book shop and support them. Ask for these books if they don't have them. That way they can be around for a long time, both the creators <laughs> and the comic book shops. Uh, yes. Phil, where do you get your comics from? Well, I get my comics at The Joker's Child in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And yes, not only do we have all these great comics there for you to, to get your comic reading eyes on, uh, but also, hey, it's October, and at the end of the month is Halloween. And what better way to celebrate Halloween than with uh, some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, right? And we got a lot of cool Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, and I know it's been such a popular perennial favorite uh, to the point where now, you know, they have like housewares for Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, so we had like a milk and creamer set, right? You, there, we have a cutting board, a Nightmare Before Christmas cutting board. So for your Halloween party, you really want to do it right, you know, get some, uh, some houseware stuff for, of Nightmare Before Christmas for your next Halloween party or just your day to day Halloween living, uh, over at the Joker's Child. Nice. Cool. All right. If you can't make it to Fairlawn, New Jersey, obviously go and support your local comic shop. If you guys like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can come back every single week um, and listen to Phil and I blabber about comics that we really enjoy. Uh, make sure that you stay up to date on everything Amazing Action Comics by going to AmazingActionComics.com. We do have another Kickstarter that's going to be starting soon. It's going to be another volume of Red Hyena. I'm really excited about the story. It's called cool. The Heart of Fire. It's sort of like an Indiana Jones slash freaking Catwoman story, which is fantastic. Um, I think you guys are going to really dig it. And I did an homage cover to The Killing Joke for this one, which nice. is coming out really nice. So, yeah, listen out for that. Uh, check out details at AmazingActionComics.com to see when that's launching, um, which is going to be really relatively soon. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's pretty much it. If you are a creator and want to come out to the podcast, uh, visit AmazingActionComics.com slash podcast, fill up the form. We'd love to have you on, support you and all your project that you have going on. That is all that we have for you this week, kitties. So until next time, please, please, please be amazing. Stay amazing and read something amazing. <laughs>